This is The Big Show with Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to talk some NBA basketball with the coach. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion. Do your part by saving water while saving money. Check Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net, longtime jazz assistant coach and NBA coach in general. He's our friend, Coach Gordon Chiesa. What's up, Coach? I'm doing well. Thank you. Oh, man, I love hearing Redbone. It always puts me in a good mood every week. Every week. Well said. All right, Coach, the beginning of the season is coming. Jazz open it up Wednesday against Oklahoma City. Give us kind of your final takeaways from the preseason for this jazz club. Well, the biggest thing right now, the jazz – found out that Jarrett Butler is a very talented player, and that's been really uplifting. Where the 40th pick of the draft, they think that he can definitely play in a rotation and play well. And so that was, that's positive, because that guy's a very talented player, and he'll give some relief to Mike Conley, who probably won't play back-to-back nights, and that makes Donovan Mitchell not have to play point guard some of the time. And then Joe Ingles, obviously, he's versatile. He can play point two, three, and even stretch four the way he plays. So that was the biggest takeaway. And the Jazz are a very talented team. And that's what's good about the Jazz. Uh, Jake, I wrote down, should win this season as far as I have the best team in the, the West right now with, with a very crowded field, though, with 56 wins. All right, 56 and top in the West. Let's let's uh, run with that, Coach. Uh, tell us how the rest of the West is uh, going to sift out in your mind. Well, see, the, the West is absolutely loaded as far as what the players have. And I think a, a, huge, factor, a huge factor will be, obviously, injuries. But who, who's going to be the um, – who's going to uh, be able to just uh, withstand all different things? All right, here we go. Number eight, I have the Trailblazers at 44 wins. Number seven, Warriors at 45 wins. Number six, Nuggets at 48 wins. Number five, defending Western Conference champs, Suns at 51 wins. Number four, Lakers at 52 wins. Number three, wins. Clippers at 55 wins. And Jazz at 56. Which means, Jake, no Grizzlies, no T-Wolves, no Kings, no Spurs, no thunder, no rockets as far as making the playoffs. Wow, Coach, you have it uh, razor thin. Those oh, very much because there's so many. Now, like the Lakers, they, in the playoffs, they'll be a, a dominant force. But in the regular season, they're going to be banged up to the extreme, and they're going to sit guys out. And so that's part of the equation. And so that's what the Jazz have. have a, they have quality depth, and so do the Clippers to their credit. And, and the Mavericks also have a whole bunch of players. And that's who I like, Jake, quickly, in the East. I have the Bulls making the playoffs for the first time in, since 2017. So Bulls, uh, eighth, Celtics, okay, I'm sorry, Bulls, eighth with 43 wins, 
Celts seventh with 45 wins, 76ers sixth with 47 wins, Knicks fifth with 50 wins, Hawks fourth with 52 wins, Bucks third with 53 wins, Nets second with 54 wins, and the Heat number one with 55 wins. Wow, you're loving the Heat even over the Nets and Bucks, huh, Coach? I do, and the reason why, because of the two guys that they added. Remember, last year, Jimmy Butler was hurt, and he had that COVID-19 to the extreme. And uh, Tyler Hero absolutely struggled the whole season. But this year, they added Kyle Lowry, and they added P.J. Tucker. And so that's a huge factor in playoff games. So, Jake, here's the 10 guys that I wrote down with segue to the standings of the most impactful additions. And before I say the names, these are the guys that could help a team make the playoffs or go deep in the playoffs or have a winning record. So there's different criteria. Uh, number 10, from the Lakers, Malik Monk should help them tremendously. He's a 40% three-point shooter last season. Number nine, underrated for the Portland Trailblazers addition, Larry Nance Jr. Jake, the, the uh, Trailblazers were less in the NBA and assists and which means that they don't move the ball and they don't screen. And that's what Nance does perfectly besides rebound. Number eight, from the Bulls, uh, for the Bulls right now, Lonzo Ball via Pelicans. Number seven, he was a tremendous player for the Nets two years ago, was injured, ACL, he's back now. He could have played last year, they sat him out with the Wizards now, Spencer Dinwiddie. Number six, with the Bulls, former Spurs, everyone likes this guy, DeMar DeRozan. Number five, from the Pelicans, Jonas Valachunas. So the question will be, can he space the floor enough as a shooting big to help out Brandon Ingram and uh, Zion Williamson? Because Stephen Adams, we like also, couldn't do that. Valachunas can play both inside outside. Number four, I mentioned quickly, P.J. Tucker from the Heat. Number three, from the Nets, Kyrie's not going to be there for whatever reason because of the vaccination and uh, the, the mandate. So now with the addition of Patty Mills is absolutely uh, critical as far as impact in the organization. He happened number three. Number two, yes, he's a lightning rod. Yes, he's a triple-double from the Lakers, Russell Westbrook. And the number one impactful player with a new addition should be Kyle Lowry of the Heat. Uh, Jake, picture Lowry in a playoff game, what that guy does. Well, he certainly has a history of doing it a lot. That's for sure. And I, I love. Uh, well, I liked the Heat last year, and as you mentioned, I got burned by that a little bit. I think Spolstra is one of the best coaches, and I think Jimmy Butler is super underrated. So, if if uh, if you're seeing that happen and them bouncing back this year, I I like it. See, a lot of times the defending champion or the team that won the West or the East is such a short off season. And even though they're talented, and it's, it's everyone's uh, as far as thinking about them, how good they are. You lose some of your bounce to your game. It's very rare that you can, uh, at this level, you can uh, maintain a high level of intensity, even though you want to. And you're, we're the champions. There's always a somewhat mental letdown. And then the other teams play against, the most teams against the defending champions or elite teams, even lesser groups, bring their A game for that one night against them to try to beat them. So it makes it very, very difficult to repeat. Coach, you've been in a lot of uh, front offices and uh, are dialed in. What, what do the Nets do with Kyrie Irving? Is there anything they can do? No, they can't. What they can do is that move on from him. Even though he's an ultra-talented player, they made a, a, a decision from a team standpoint that he would be 
every the part of it would be in every city they would ask the same question to Kevin Durant and to Joe Harris and to Patty Mills and all the other guys and to James Harden that how's their uh, comrade doing meaning uh, Kyrie Irving and even though he's they need him as far as to play especially in playoff games they've decided that they're going to take uh, move on from him so they have, they can't do nothing about it it's New York City mandated and he's losing a whole bunch of money which which should be a factor, but unfortunately, it seems so far that it's not. And so they 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 moved on for him. Jay Kyrie Irving, he's in, he loses per game that he sits out, three hundred eighty one thousand dollars per game. Three eighty one this year. This year's salary is thirty four point nine million. Coach, today is uh, extension deadline day for the 2018 draft class, headlined by DeAndre Ayton. Now, a lot of these guys uh, were able to get deals. Some had them long ago, like Luca and Trey Young. But DeAndre Ayton did not come to terms on agreement. Apparently, he wanted a max deal, and the Suns weren't uh, weren't willing to go for it. What do you what do you think about that situation? Is he good enough that they should have just maxed him out? No, absolutely not. I, mean, I like his talent, and I like the way he plays. But up until Chris Paul arriving in the Suns, we all thought that he was an ultra-talented guy that was un- slightly underskilled, minus dunking the ball, Jake, on law pass action via at a short corner, and that he was underskilled, and even worse than that, that he was consistent as far as effort. Along came Chris. Everything changes then because now he, he's the, he's the uh, change agent for the whole group. So they like him. I'm sure they offered him a, a, a viable contract as far as money and years, but he wanted that max contract, and for his age group, it would have been a five-year contract at a, five years at 172.5 million, and they did the right thing. Now, now it gets interesting. Now, almost messy. Where, hey, we love you, we love you, we love you. However, we're not giving the max contract, and then he says all the right things that I respect uh, my teammates. I'm going to play hard, et cetera, et cetera. But we know that so much of what is, is the mental part of the game, and does he does he play? Does he play selfish? Does he play inconsistent? Or he goes the opposite and he has a great, great season. So they did the right thing because he's slightly unproven for a max contract. That's what I'll use. I like him, but he's unproven as far as in the big theater. Essentially the same thing we saw the Jazz go through with Gordon Hayward, right? Oh, very much. Absolutely. Again, you're saying, Jake, as far as uh, the, the, just philosophically, that if we give someone a max contract, we're saying in playoff games that our three max contract guys or almost max contract guys are better than your three guys literally every round in the playoffs. And that's not true. So Chris Paul, you love him to death. He's age 36. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's beaten father time. Devin Booker, tremendous player, worth the max contract. Chris didn't get a max contract. But he's got a, he makes a whole bunch of money, and DeAndre Ayton's the third part of that. But he's unproven, so you've got to use your money wisely. Absolutely, that's why the Jets have some great contracts. In other words, in Joe Ingles, he makes 14 million, and he impacts the second unit. And Jordan Clarkson, the sixth man of the year, absolutely impacts every single game. He makes this year 12.4 million. So, Jake, equated to this, Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson, I know they're different uh, positions, but they, they would make both dramatically less than giving DeAndre Ayton the $36 million to start next season. With that in mind, Coach, speaking of salaries, the Jazz went into the luxury tax. They made it a priority to re-sign Michael Conley. What does that say about the new ownership group that uh, they're willing to do that right off the bat? Oh, very much. It says right away that, this again, the Jazz have an elite team. 
The Jazz are right there as far as knocking on heaven's door as far as being champions. And by getting re-signing Mike Conley, that he is a, he allows Donovan Mitchell to be Donovan Mitchell. And that's absolutely credited because you don't want Donovan Mitchell to have the mental part of it, uh, mentally, to be able to have to enter the ball on every possession, get everybody organized. And so he does best to score 32 points a game in the playoffs and shoots a lot of rainbow threes and, more importantly, clutch threes. So Ryan Smith going over the, the, the luxury tax. Now, remember now, Jake, the way the rules are, he went over it so far, but technically he didn't because you don't pay the tax man until June 30th, 2022. So the Jazz are approximately over the luxury tax by $17.2 million. So it's possible now there could be some trading deadline where they trade so-and-so for so-and-so to make a better fit or there's some sort of dramatic injury and that person makes, that person makes dramatically less and that might, might put them lower in the tax bill. So it's possible. So you don't pay until, again, June 30th, 2022. I want to ask you about Rudy Gobert real quick here, Coach. If, if he were to come to you and say, hey, Coach, I want to be more effective and able to stay on the floor when teams play small, what advice would you give him? To try to gather himself with more balance. I know it's hard. See, when you're seven foot tall, I, know, I would never tell a guy to get low. It's impossible. You can't get low at seven, at seven foot. But what you can do is get balance. And that's very simply as far. That's why bending, you're so conscious of bending your knees when you're running either in tight quarters, in traffic, or open floor as far as galloping down the floor. So I try to help them to get better balance. And that starts with what? Core strength. And I know the Jets are smart people as far as trying to develop his upper body and his leg strength. But from a basketball standpoint, his teammates should help him also. They've got to give him the ball Jake, more on the run, and on the run meaning what? He's only a one-bounce player. So he catches the ball, he has balance, he looks over his right or left shoulder and shoots more of a fluidity. And so I, that's what I call don't break the egg. When you're, in, when you're inside in traffic, don't break the egg meaning what? Picture an egg on the rim. You want to do is really develop your shooting touch. A lot of times what players do, Jake, they, they power dunk all the time, and they don't realize that on their shot, the shot should be the opposite. It should be what? A fluid shot that's soft up on it, so don't break the egg on, on the top of the basket, meaning the rim. And that's how you teach the part, a part of finishing in traffic with what a soft touch. But quickly. Remember the guy called Carl Malone and a guy named uh, Carlos Boozer? Those guys were power players. They had unbelievable soft touches in the lane. So visualize Carl in traffic and Boozer in traffic, not breaking the ache. All right, Coach, you came on uh, talking about Jared Butler and the Jazz identifying a rookie that could possibly move into the rotation. I understand you have a list for us uh, talking about rookies today. Yes, this list today, Jake, is the last 10 years the NBA Rookie of the Year Award winners. 2012, ironically, Kyrie Irving, who's the first pick of the draft, Cleveland Cavaliers. 2013, our own Utah, a prodigal son, Weber State uh, great, Damian Lillard, was the sixth pick of the draft from the Trailblazers. Number, uh, excuse me, 2014, Michael Carter-Williams, the 11th pick of the draft from the 76ers. 2015, via Canada, Andrew Wiggins, the first pick from the T-Wolves. 2016, 
Carl Anthony Towns, the first pick of the T-Wolves, which tells us, Jake, just quickly, that the T-Wolves thought, Jake, six years ago, they're going to be what? NBA power with all these young guys. And guess what? It didn't work out. Nope. 2017, Malcolm Broderick, who's vastly underrated. He's a good player, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Jake. He was the 36th pick of the draft. Are you kidding me? Pick number 36, rookie of the year by the Bucks. 2018, we're all talking about it every single day in the NBA. Ben Simmons, via Australia, was the first pick of the draft from the 76ers. 2019 winner, the best young player in the world at age 22, Luka Dantich from Slovenia. He was the third pick of the draft from the Mavericks. 2020, another ultra-talented player from the Grizzlies, John Morant, second pick of the draft, and let this past season... Last year, 2021, the number one rookie in the NBA as far as winning it was the Mellow Ball, the third pick of the draft of the Hornets. Quickly, in jazz basketball, the only player in Utah Jazz franchise history to win the rookie of the year, I had the privilege to coach him years later, was Dowell Griffith in 1981, alias Dr. Dunkenstein. You know what's kind of interesting about your list today, Coach, is you, you look at those names and uh, of Rookies of the Year winners, and there's, granted, there's some Hall of Famers in there, but there's some players that are barely hanging on in the league, too. That, that might be a sign of things to come, but not always, it would appear. Oh, very much. Well said. And that's with Jared Butler, for example. Let's hope in jazz basketball that he makes the all-rookie team. That would be wonderful. In other words, either first or second team, which means that he's playing roughly, we'll say, 12 to 14 minutes a game. He's contributing on an elite team and that he is a two-way player. My instincts tell me that the rookie of the year this year in the NBA, because they're going to get playing time and they're, going to, they're, on, they're on lesser teams and that they're going to have the ball to make plays and numbers. They would be number one. Kate Cunningham, the first pick of the draft from the Pistons, Number two, Theo Gonzaga, uh, Jalen uh, Snugs from the Magic, and number the fourth pick of the draft, and the Raptors, Scotty Barnes. I would say those three guys probably could be Rookie of the Year. They're all talented guys on lesser teams. They're going to showcase their skill level. Coach, thank you very much for jumping on with us as always. We really appreciate it. Jake, peace out. Stay well. Thanks, Coach. That's our uh, friend, the coach, Gordon Chiesa, jumps on with us each and every Monday here on The Big Show. His appearance is brought to you by Divi, the modern financial platform for business. See how you can spend smarter at GetDivi.com. We'll get back to a little college football coming up right around the corner. Tanner Mangum at 4, Frank Dolce at 5. It is The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Eric Walden, jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. Jazz had a great season last year, and it sucked the way it ended for jazz fans, obviously. But they were still a great team. On paper, I think they're better. Fair or foul? I agree with that. I do feel like on paper, they've addressed a lot of the issues that really hurt them in that Clippers series. Theoretically, the jazz are a lot deeper. They're a little more matchup proof. I think if we're saying, what's the ideal version of this team? They're probably missing another lengthy wing capable of defending and switching and hitting some threes, but those guys don't grow on trees. They should be good. They should be improved. They should be capable of winning or at least competing for a championship this year. So I'm really interested to see how it goes. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
Show, Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. Tanner Mangum is going to be on the show at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Frank Dolce joins us at 5, but uh, we thought here we'll check in with Coach Kalani Satake. Uh, it's uh, He had his press conference on Mondays uh, today. We're going to hear from Coach Witt a little bit later on in the show, probably come up at uh, 4.30, so stay tuned for that. But uh, BYU now lost two in a row. Uh, Baylor was a really good team that played tough, and uh, BYU struggled with uh, stopping the run, which I thought uh, was a big part. Hans was uh, harping on BYU not running the ball enough themselves. Well, let's go ahead and hear from Coach Itake as he uh, has now processed the game and uh, moving forward to Washington State. All right. Uh, looking forward to this week. Um, looking forward to getting back to work. And, uh, I mean, obviously not not feeling all that great about the loss, but uh, the opportunity for us to move on and get better and uh, perform a lot better than we did the last two weeks now. So uh, i got to get off this losing streak and, uh, best way to do it is get back to work, get to practice, work hard, stay focused on our next opponent, and then learn. Also, learn from the mistakes and uh, shortcomings that we had o- over the weekend against Baylor, who was a really good team. And uh, obviously, the ranked they, they their only loss came to I think Oklahoma State, who's uh, ranked as well. So, a uh, really cool environment, good team, big big team, physical team, and uh, we we didn't match uh, their physical presence well enough to to earn a victory. So hoping to change that. Uh, really good opponent in Washington State. We're going on the road again. So uh, looking forward to getting back out there and seeing fans in a different region of the country. Really appreciate the fans showing up for the, for the game at Baylor. Uh, there's a lot of Royal Blue out there and, and really appreciate them and their support. I'm looking forward to getting the, the same type of support that we get in uh, around the country and now being in the Northwest. So um, Looking forward to the matchup. Uh, they're coming off of uh, off of some wins, and um, they're playing really good football right now. And you'll see what they're doing on offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, they're very explosive, uh, well coached team, and so it'll be be a tough match for us. We we need to be ready to roll. So um, need to play at our best in order for us to to put ourselves in a position to get the win. So looking forward to the matchup. Uh, I know they'll be well coached, and I know their fans will be excited. And um, just, just want to get to this game already. Thanks, Coach. We'll have questions from Mitch and then Jake, followed by Jay. Kalani is is not having a, a bye week yet taking a toll on your team at, at this point of the season. You know, I, I don't, I don't know uh, how it's affected other teams that have had bye week already, but bye weeks usually help and get get the team healthy, um, get them get a little focused on not having to I mean the hard part a lot of people don't realize is that the practice the week of practice we we need to be physical and and put the pads on and strike and so it's not like the week of practice is that easy either but I don't know any other way to to prep for teams than to to practice it so uh, we'll we'll practice really physical and um, and and you know expect that to show up in the game. Uh, the unfortunate part is we felt like we had a great week of practice and didn't transfer over. So there's some disconnect there. That's my job to figure it out. Um, but I don't think taking it easy in practice is going to be the key. But yeah, I mean, everybody takes advantage of the bye week. That we're midseason, so there's guys that are banged up and guys that are playing through some injury. Guys are aren't 100. That's that's the game of football, and so. 
Um, you know, we're, we're depending on depth and, and talent, but sometimes the inexperience shows up a little bit, but uh, it's time to grow up and get better and, and, and uh, toughen up. So, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're not 100%, but neither is Washington State, neither was Baylor. There's, there's a lot of guys that are banged up right now. That's what happens in, in the game of football throughout the season. Just got to tough it out. When you watch the, the the film from that Baylor game, much was made about the the familiarity between the coaching staffs. Was there anything that maybe stood out where you felt Baylor knew what was coming in that game, uh, whether offensively and defensively, from you guys? Well, we knew what they were going to try to do, which is establish the run game. I know Grimey and his uh, personality and and what he wants to try to establish the identity as an offense, and that's to run the ball. And we couldn't stop it on defense and that really bugs me. So we've got to figure out a way to do it. And I'm more disappointed and frustrated with the fundamentals of the game and, and the technique I am rather than the, the, the scheme or anything. I mean, we had 11 guys out there playing, but I don't think we tackled well enough. I don't think we got off blocks and I don't think we're physical enough. So defensively, you need to be more physical and that's surprising to hear, but we also need to get some guys back and some leadership to take, take ownership of, of the defensive front, <clears throat> you know, we we played a lot more physical in other games. And so it'd be nice to get some guys back and, and back to normal form, which means that they bring that that physical mindset to the line of scrimmage. And so that we need that on offense and we obviously need it on defensive lines. I mean, the offense and defensive line. That's something that I'm, I want to own as a, co as a coach. I, I want to have our presence felt. Our identities that O line D line needs to show up for us to have a chance. Kalani, you may have partially answered my question in your previous answer, but do you envision any alignment changes or scheme changes to your defense to try to address the issues you've had? Yeah, of course, we're open for all of that. Yep, that's. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not open to change. I'm not like close to changing. So whether it's scheme, personnel, whatever it may be. Uh, let's get the best 11 out there. Let's find a way to match up. I mean, Washington State's a much different matchup than Baylor. Baylor just decided they're going to go big and 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 just you know shove the run the run down our throat, and we didn't respond the right way. And so if if um, Washington State decides to do that, fine. But we got to toughen up. I mean, we if they decide to do it with t with a 10 personnel group, which is what they run most of the time with four wides, they're spread. But if they decide to to run the ball and spread it and, and lean on that heavily, then uh, we're going to have to figure it out how to stop the run. And then if you can get a team to be uh, more uh, one-sided and, 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 and um, becomes a little bit more predictable, if you know that you can shut down the run by just being more physical, then that's, that's a huge advantage. And that worked the other way against us uh, in the Baylor game. And credit to Baylor and their, their, their line. They, they, they took it to us and we did not respond the right way. Now let's see what happens this week if we respond the right way. You talked about being one-dimensional on offense there. Your offense was one-dimensional in that game by and large, 342 passing yards but just 68 rushing yards. Was that just a, a product of the game you guys trying to play catch-up and having to abandon the run game, or did you see something that you hoped to get the run game going again? Maybe a little both. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if we took advantage of uh, full advantage of all the big plays that we had in, in, in the passing game. Um, but I, I know that um, we're a much better team if we can run the ball and throw the ball, you know, and, and uh, they had that advantage. We didn't, you know, so um, 
whatever it is, you got to figure it out. Whether it's the the run scheme or the or the uh, personnel. I mean, we're obviously down a couple guys, but I don't like using the excuse of injury. We feel like we're a deep team, uh, but we got to run the ball better. And then I, I think we have a good stable of running backs to, to run the ball. So um, we're going to need, need them to step up. We need the O-line to step up. We need everyone to step up and make plays. And uh, it's not one one side. It's all three phases can improve. And, and I think the ones that get most of the, most of the uh, attention is the offense and defense. And those two phases need to improve. And we need to see it now. I need to see it now. And it needs to happen today. So I'm uh, really frustrated that, that the performance. Uh, I mean, Baylor might have been a better team and might have won the game, but it should not have looked like that to me up front. And that's where it's got to change. Lonnie, uh, Elisa just said you lost three defensive linemen uh, in that game. Um, anything season, end- season ending? Any of those injuries? Guys out for the year? We're still evaluating it. Um, one is not confirmed yet. Chikapalu, we'll see. Uh, we're still, uh, I think we'll get some information later today. I, I don't have that answer for you, Jay, but uh, one may appear to be that way. Um, the others were hoping not too long, but we'll, if this is, again, this is one one of those where they're not considered out this week, but I don't think they're going to be 100%. So it's, it's an opportunity for some young guys to step up and all I'm going to require those young guys to do is be tough and physical when they get in the game. The situation going on with Coach Rolo at uh, Washington State, is that any concern of yours at all with his situation? Will that impact any way that you prepare for this game? You know, I, I've been so into um, our season and our games, I haven't even looked into that as much. I mean, I've literally just found out about all the you know, I don't, I don't think I know enough about it to even make a comment, to be honest with you. I, I got other things to worry about. I know Coach Rolo, and he's a good coach, and he has a really good staff. And so I'm, I'm not sure I'm the expert enough to, to comment on that. I, I'm trying to get our team to get off of this stinking losing streak, man. That's frustrating me right now, and all my attention is on that. But, um, no, I, I, I think it'd be – I don't think I have enough – information to make a comment jay sorry yeah that's fair i just uh it is obviously dominating headlines so um we'll obviously be mentioning it but i, I understand that um and then just I'm, not reading, I'm, not, I'm not reading a lot of headlines right now <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think i've been reading them all all year but i mean i i, I get it i i i mean i it's, it's not like i'm closed off to what's going on in the world but i i don't know enough about that specific situation and um appeals and all that. I have no idea. I'm still kind of fresh to it, but, and then I think all my attention has to be on football, on BYU football. And then I just wanted to ask you about coaching the Barrington brothers and three sets of brothers. What kind of dynamic does that bring to a team to have that many sets of brothers? Well, I, I mean, they, more than anything, they just treat the whole team like, like family um, because they have family on the team. And I, I know what it's like. I played with my little brother here at BYU too. So, and we played here while our oldest brother was at, at Utah. So, uh, um, for us, it's just it's easy to, to just consider everyone your family, and uh, you can see that those guys have a connection to the rest of the group and the rest of the team, and it's really uh, contagious, you know. And the way the Barringtons treat treat each other, but also 
they're hard on each other too. I mean, mostly because Clark's the older one, but he expects a lot from from Campbell. And but you you see them the way they lead, the way they treat each other. They that also extends to the, their teammates. And so there's that that love and and appreciation for each other. But then there's also the ability to get after each other. So I'm hoping hoping they they, they get that done this week that we can figure out some things and um, you know challenge their teammates and. As coaches, we got to do the same thing. We need to see improved play, especially from from uh, our linemen. Okay, let's go with a question from Sean Walker and then a follow-up from Mitch. Yeah, Coach, this may be something uh, pretty quick to, to answer, but I just kind of wanted to check with you because uh, A-Rod said during his show this morning that it, it sounds like Joe and Harris are getting – pretty close to to kind of full recovery full activity with you guys do you have any sort of an update that you can give us on them and their situation and i don't know I, I know that there's a chance that they'll play so that's good you know but we have to see what they look like in practice today um obviously we want them back they're the two starters for us um mason was able to come back last week mason wake and and I, he's not 100 percent in that game but um you know, we're hoping that he'll be healthier this week. So as we start to get these guys back and get them, you know, get them back on the field, the, the key is, first, first of all, for them to clear protocol with um, with the trainers. And then once they do that, we can, we can practice them. And then once we they feel like they're ready for full contact, then we can obviously play them in the game. So that's kind of how it works. And I don't control all that, but I want them all on the field. Kalani, uh, that's kind of a theme today, it seems like, but just another personnel question for you. George Udo came into the season recovering from an injury. He suffered a little bit of a setback against Baylor. Is his situation long-term? Um, no, no, it's not long-term. So if, if, if you're asking, because he, he injured his ACL last year, and um, so, no, he did not re-injure the ACL. So we're, we're looking at something, uh, a different injury, and so – not sure if he'll be ready for this week as well, but um, I have to see a little bit more today. We got a little bit of information yesterday, but not enough to um, discount them out for the week. But again, it's I, I don't know how you can you can play in a game Saturday if you can't practice. You know, this week I it just I have a hard time sitting a kid out and getting him healthy and never really practicing full reps and then all of a sudden get to the game Saturday and expect him to perform. I just, that's not how we work here. And I wanted to ask you about uh, Washington State's quarterback, Jaden Delora. Uh, he was coming out of St. Louis High School in Hawaii, and I know your staff extended a scholarship offer to him. Did you get to know him at all in the recruiting process when he was uh, coming out of St. Louis High? Yeah, I mean, really, really good player. Just looking at his athleticism, and he's got he's, he has a uh, a lot of confidence on the field, and the and the players play off of that. And you look at when they when they win, it's when he's doing well. Um, but he's so athletic, and he can run. I mean that that that's something that I think adds to his game. He's he's always a threat to extend the play. Um, but for for a young guy, he has great poise and. Uh, just gets rid of the ball quickly. Most of Rolo's quarterbacks do that. They get rid of the ball quickly. They have their, their timing down. And so it's hard to, to, um, to shake these guys, you know. And and, and, uh, and for, for Delore, he's, he's got a great presence, man. And, and he, he can take over a game. We just we, – it'll be a tough task. We're, 
you know, the reason why we liked him in the recruiting process too, because we think he, he's a he's a big time game game uh, you know a playmaker. And so um, that'll be tough for us, but you know we're, we're up for it, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what we can do scheme wise to, to to match up against what they do. They're spread team, so it's it's a it's a difficult deal where you got you know some great skill like they have and spread them wide out, and then they have a running back that's really physical in in, in uh, Borgie that can break tackles. So. Uh, really familiar with with what Wazoo's doing and seeing them throughout the years in my coaching, they have that, that same type of personality, uh, some tough kids and in, in, on their team and and uh, really really cool area where they play and a great fan base. So uh, looking forward to going back there and playing in that game. Oh, a question from Jake. Kalani, it may not be the purest version of the run and shoot, but how difficult of an offense is the run and shoot to defend? Yeah, it, the reason why it's not your typical run and shoot is because the run and shoot is has um, evolved, you know, and so they've added a lot more to their scheme, a lot of different plays to their to their call sheet, and that's what Rolo does. He, he's always advancing, and we've we've played against Rolo enough where you just can't. It's not always the same, you know. Some teams run the same offense regardless of the personnel, and I think. Uh, Rollo and his staff, they do a great job at, at utilizing the right people and getting the ball um, to the right players, to the playmakers. And they happen to have a bunch of them, and that's why they go spread. They're all mostly four wideouts right now. And and I, I really think their the running back is, is uh, probably underrated. He, 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 I've seen him throughout the years, the plays that he makes. And um, and they, they have a, they have a good a good crew there. So with their running backs and the, I think their O line is big physical. It's hard to penetrate that O line as far as getting past rush. And um, with their timing, the run and shoots is a timing scheme. With the timing, it's hard to get get to the quarterback. And uh, we, we when we faced Hawaii, we faced them a few times. It's hard to to get there. Uh, regardless of how many you bring, and that's uh, a lot what the run and shoot's all about. But to have quarterbacks know where the, where the ball goes that quickly and to recognize um, uh, coverage and pressures, uh, that that's something special, and, and that's something that that's right up uh, um, Delar's uh, uh, capabilities. And then can I just get a quick thought from you, just looking at their defense. The funny thing is this team for years under Mike Leach was known for the offense, but the defense seems to be have become a strength for them under Rolo. Yep. Yeah, very solid, and I know a lot of those, a lot of the coaches on the defensive side, and uh, I, I think they play with great technique and, and assignment sound football. You don't see a lot of mistakes happen on on their their side, and so if you beat them, it's because you you actually uh, you you beat them on the field. It, it's not like some scheme's gonna gonna um, take take it, uh, advantage of them. They're well coached, a lot of experience on that side too, and uh, their kids are tough, and then uh, they're. They're a really good tackler, so I think it's going to be a good matchup for our offense. Defensively, it's a good matchup for us, and you know we're, we're no, we know they're going to get our um, we're going to get their best, and I, I just we need our our best to show up this weekend. There you go, Coach Kalani Sataki putting Baylor behind him and moving on to take on uh, on uh, Washington State coming up this weekend. Uh, but apparently, there, there is no update as of yet that I've found on Coach uh, Nick Rolovich other than he was not uh, there today. He was not uh, present at work today because, uh, let's see here, let's get a latest. According to Jason, let's see, Puckett of KJR AD, Pat Chung is holding a mandatory meeting with his players at 530 to discuss Rolovich's future with the school. Still haven't received uh, anything official. So... 
the deadline for Washington State employees to be uh, vaccinated is today. And apparently there's going to be some sort of team meeting. Who knows who the Cougar coach, Washington State, that is, will be coming up this weekend. All right, coming up next, we've got a market update for you. Tanner Mangum at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Frank Dolce at 5. It is The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. BYU hits the road to Pac-12 country as Kalani Sataki and the Cougars square off against Washington State in Pullman. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for a market update brought to you by TridayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TridayTrading.com. Mixed bag today, Dow Jones down 36 points. S&P 500 up 15, and the NASDAQ up 124. Tanner Mangum is going to join the show coming up right around the corner. Lloyd, it would appear that the weather has turned on us. And uh, you and I both did not bring a jacket or umbrella today. Cause, uh, you know. I did bring a jacket. doesn't have a hood, but I did not bring my umbrella. I got that going for me. Good news is I did put my uh, my fall fertilizer down yesterday. Nice. So I got that taken hey. care of. This rain, this rain is nice. A little, uh, Welcomed. A little hard work pays off for yes. my guy Lloyd. Timing. It's all and about timing. And plus you got the fertilizer down and the Raiders beat the Donks. Yeah, good day. Uh, it's week, not good bad. Weekend. It's not bad. Yeah. Xavier feeling good about the big W? He is. In fact, he talks. Somebody, I told you about my neighbor, the whole flag thing that we got going. Yeah. He talks so much crap to oh, my yeah. neighbor, awesome. like bad. Like they, uh, <laughs> the neighbor's like outside. Um, and like he comes out after, uh, after they just intercepted. He's like, they intercepted the ball. What do you think about that? <laughs> no way. I swear. Oh, that's so funny. I swear. And I'm just like, oh, sorry. He doesn't know what he's saying. I'm sorry. It's, apologize. But go Raiders. Go Raiders. That's funny. Good for him. I'm glad How he's How you into like it. them apples, huh? <laughs> I think it's so cool he's into it. I think it's great. He's screaming at the top of his lungs outside over my neighbor's hey, backyard. as long as he's not throwing fertilizer at the neighbor, I think you're fine. Yeah, hopefully. I think you're fine. Little Some words yeah. from a first grader. I don't think I don't think your neighbor is going to be— He is, is a trash be... talker right now. <laughs> I can't even believe it. Like, if something good's ha- good's ha- good ha- happens with, the, with our team, like, he immediately wants to go over there and, and talk some smack to him. It's like, jeez, hey, man, that's easy. What you, that's what you get for flying that Broncos flag. Yeah. Yeah, bringing it on yourself. Jeez. Yeah. All right, Tanner Mangum joins us coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 of the zone.